Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, where today we double the power. Because we have a special... No, I'm not going to do this. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> AP, Man, I get, I get, come on. I get my lunch cut by some chick, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Whose girlfriend is she anyway? Ella was being lovely. Firstly, good to have you back in the house, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good to see that you're answering my calls again. Are you still upset? Yes. Revengeful? Yes, I have unfriended you. You may have not. Me, never upset. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Although he has got his nose in a bandage. I do. Yeah, well, that's not all. I'm the only person who's allergic to their wage packet because I'm anaphylactic and the peanuts you pay me nearly killing me. Ah, uh, we love you, AP. It was just that Ella James, who is also... A great world-class voice talent like you, AP, um, offered to do a little spot for us, mate. And you heard about it. Yes. You got upset. You're still our, you're still our go-to guy. You're still our voice guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, what happened when I rang you up? You, have you got that call? I'm sure you recorded it. It was on Robert's <laughs> answering machine. Hang on. Let me just let me just push this button. called the Mojo Radio Show. We can't come to the phone right now because we're about to start the show. But please, wait for the tone and the boys will be with you shortly. Uh, hey guys, it's AP here. I thought I was doing the, uh, show intro. Jeez, talk about stealing someone's mojo. There you go. See, I don't, I don't waste anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we got you back on though, I think. I mean, it's not mm. as if you were not part of the team. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought teams. I thought teams stuck together. Yeah, we we do. There is an iron team. There is an iron team. And listen, at the end of the day, you made it onto the intro anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only because you answered my call. That was a first. <laughs> Ah, dear. Welcome along to the show, everybody. Okay, give, give us a proper intro, AP. All right, okay. All right. For my bag of peanuts. <laughs> Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, where today we double the power. This is an hour of power with a special guest, Tim Power. And now, over to our hosts with the mosts. It's Bertie and Robbo. Ah, oh, see? That's why he gets the big peanuts. Yeah, see, that's 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 why the macadamias are being sent your way, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chocolate coated, please. Hey, uh, hey, while we're on the subject of last week's show, Gary Bertwistle, have you noticed uh, a couple of new likes on our Facebook page this week? One one of most importantly? I have. Well, did you notice that um, Mr. Rick Price hit the like button on our humble little web page, um, Facebook page? No, I did not. I did he not did indeed. That. He did indeed. So there you go. We're famous. Okay. Yep, and because of Rick Price, can you name one of his hit songs? Yeah, not a day goes by. Walk away, Renee. When I don't think about you, AP. You're the best. Oh, the day no, he's, look what you've done now, Stop AP. It. You got him singing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm singing to AP to make him feel better. <laughs> we should get on with the show. Done. The Mojo Radio Show. So, boys, this week's uh, guest on the show, um, you may or may not have heard of 3P Learning, 
But I guarantee if you talk to your kids, they will have not only heard of mathematics, they won't just like it, but chances are they will absolutely love it. And Tim Power is the CEO of 3P Learning who developed uh, mathematics. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Oh, thanks, Gary. Glad you talk. I have been looking forward to getting you on the show because um, having known you and 3P Learning for a number of years now, I know you've got so much to offer. So I'm hoping to get through as much as we can the short time we have. Let's just, um, just, just start with mathematics because there wouldn't be a room anywhere in the country where I'm speaking that I don't mention mathematics and I say to the people who know you, which is normally the vast majority of the room, do you kids like it? And they shake their head and say they don't just like it, they love it. Why, why do kids love mathematics? What's the secret source behind the product? Because we didn't start with the mindset of an adult or a teacher. Um, we started burrowing inside the hearts and motivations motivators for kids um, yeah. because that's fundamental to the learning, a successful learning experience. And um, so, you know, one of the most, you know, we found that most kids have a competitive edge um, and uh, either within themselves or amongst their peers and we're able to unlock that, that competitive instinct. And then for other kids who didn't have those competitive instincts, we we found other motivators around fame. And so we have live halls of fame and live scoreboards that tap into those things. And then we found there are other motivators for, for, for kids, which is around exploration and social connect. And so we developed tools to explore mathematical concepts uh, in a way that wasn't presented in a boring dictionary style or, you know, mathematical dictionary style. Um, mm. And many other motivators and layers of motivators. So we infused the math with that purpose, and and that's why kids love it because there's a, there's there's something for all those different types of kids that are motivated by different types of things. Mm. Where did your love of learning come from, personally, Tim? Where, where do you trace it back to? Um, I can't remember the exact moment, but it's a truism that our entire team. Um, and look, we're not a massive team, Gary, by any stretch. Well, I think we're up to two hundred and sixty mm. people in the team now, but. Um, it's, but it's you know it's, it's a substantial team now. We believe that um, it, it's, it's a shield for life that capacity to learn. And there was a moment, perhaps at some point in in my teen years, where I realised the ability to learn and adapt was was going to be my my shield for the rest of my life. And it's a state of mind, and it's a hunger. And, you know, quite often there's all these fear barriers to successfully learning concepts and, and getting deeper and getting to deeper insights and, and learning how to deal with those emotions and, and mm. jump past those emotions to, to true insight and true learning and true knowledge. I think that's what the love of learning is all about. And, um, and mm. I think buy very deeply into that and believe in that. I have always been fascinated by the dream you had to have children share that love of learning. And we know, I've read that maths is one of the best precursors to a child's success in life. And I just think what you and the, and the kids in there that are, that are working on it, what are you doing? It's just, it's, it's just brilliant. You've always been a dreamer. You've always been able to articulate your dream of what you wanted from athletics. What's the dream now for 3P Learning? What can you see happening three, five years down the track? Well, it's interesting because 
there's a lot of discussion around the world about this concept of reasoning, um, which is that deeper critical thinking, that deeper, richer understanding of concepts. And it, it's very difficult to throw kids in the deep end with reasoning and thinking. Um, you know, one of, one of the most fascinating things I've seen for recently is in, in Australia there's a fantastic um, science challenge that Year 9 students do, Year 9 and 10, I think. And they're asked to look at the world, find a problem, devise an experiment that would help them understand or solve that problem, and then present that, their findings back. And all the really bright kids that I know that ace their exams are terrified by this challenge. And I, I must admit, at first I was thinking, well, why are you so terrified? You know, and, and the reason is because schooling is so so segmented and structured and so rigidly scaffolded that we're not leading kids into these deeper, richer, comfortable environments to, to solve these open problems. So essentially when, when, when we look at all the, the big intractable problems around the world, we rely upon small handfuls of experts. And then there's so much mistrust of those experts because we haven't given people widely these deeply held reasoning skills and we haven't given them some base science knowledge to, you know, to understand those discussions. You know, that's why it's so difficult to have a dialogue with the masses or the crowds on the internet or otherwise about climate change. It descends into politics and vitriol rather than a, a discussion around the things that underpin what's going on. So if we are going to solve the world's problems as a populace, we've got to find a way to take all kids from all backgrounds, deeply into those reasoning capabilities. And so beyond maths, we stepped into science to use that as a vehicle to start to really understand how to do that. And, you know, we really had a groundbreaking experience last year when we released a digitised version of the Janolan Caves and had students going into the caves to work out how the caves were formed. And they were able to do various experiments throughout the caves, uh, collect that information and then eventually work out how, how the caves were formed and, and talk about purpose and mystery and uh, intrigue and all those drivers able to capture, you know, student imagination about how the world is formed. So mathletics was a great start for us in sort of really starting to understand student motivators and connect that into the, into the learning, you know, the rigorous learning experiences. And now we're starting to think, well, how do we take that next step uh, around moving a generation deeply into those reasoning capabilities. So that's the product end that Robbo and I have both got kids, so that's the product end the kids are seeing. Have you taken that, Tim, then to the organisational part of the engine driving and developing and programming all this? Like, Have you taken learnings that you are teaching to the children and applied it internally at 3P Learning to the team who are building this stuff? We have, Gary, and I, I think that's... I think it's a fascinating project that our team really started a couple of years ago now. Um, rather than the, the old, I guess the old school model of kids, learn, 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 you know, over a long period and then they do a big test at the end. Um, we prefer, you know, little iteration. So learn a small number of things over a shorter period of time time, evaluate how you're going, and then iterate and tweak what you then do next. I think you get a far more rewarding, a 
far better result at the end. And that very much accords with um, agile software development methodologies where you have small teams who work in short sprints of a few weeks and at the end of each of those weeks they, they've produced some working software that iterated and it's a great way to keep to get a great result in a shorter period of time you know, in developing a product. And I guess we realised that this is so powerful. Why wouldn't we be doing this on a on a whole of company basis? Yeah. And um, as, as a, I guess, an, a, an agile company. And so we've actually moved to a structure where we have a, a large and very focused strategy week each quarter, a full week each quarter. We fly in our key people from around the world. And um, we have about 25 people at the core working on that all the way from our visioning three-year strategy, one-year strategy, quarterly strategy, product roadmap, marketing roadmap. And once you've agreed on that strategy, everyone then self-selects the things that they're going to do to deliver on that strategy. And we, pick, and we coalesce it into the five attack points of the company. And we track those things that we're working on as a company in that quarter. Everyone's individual tracking is there. And you go, you go back and work in your teams to work towards those goals. And it means that every quarter, the company is working hard and in, in a unified fashion towards very precise goals. So in a, in a, no longer do you have this traditional structure of, you know, manager um, and employee. There's no higher authority. You've self-selected the five things that you're working on. Yep. It's public to all to see how it connects with the strategy. There's, there's no higher authority to refer to. It's on you. And so that makes it very demanding. You've got to be, you've got to be very commercial. You've got, to be very, you've got to be very customer focused. You've got to deeply understand the strategy so that you know how it connects and how it's resonating. And it's all metrically tracked. So we found that that model was far more rigorous than traditional command and control structures where you've got to cascade down the strategy and, you know, you've, you've got to have review meetings and you've got to have one-on-one performance reviews. The mechanisms are very, very different. And so we put yeah. a lot of investment into um, high-level consultants to work in each of those teams with those specialist skills as well as team dynamics. And... Um, and what it's unleashed is, in our last strategy conference, our development team is about 120 people now. Each of the teams, which are, not, which are somewhere between five and eight people, they built the roadmap from the ground up, and it all connected into our commercial strategy because they understand the strategy so well now and each of the iterations and are fully empowered to then go and to build and make, make those things happen. So say I have a business, um, I'm in real estate or recruitment or financial advice. I've got an office in each state of Australia and I want to, I want to start to work on what you've just talked about. Two bits to it. What would you immediately recommend I what book would I immediately get a hold of or what YouTube clip could I immediately get a hold of to watch to get more information? And number two, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. What's the simple things I could do immediately to start moving towards that? The really nice starting point for this journey is 
uh, the Rockefeller Top Five. Yep. Which is the, the method mechanism for distilling down the five things in order from the most important to the fifth most important that the company is going to be attacking on and everyone's going to be focusing on. Um, it's incredibly powerful when you get a large team of people behind a few concepts. And, mm. and so it's a really nice, simple starting point is what are the top five priorities for the company that everyone can buy into? Um, it's harder than it thinks to distill that down and unpack it. And obviously, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But it's a great starting point. Yeah, um, yeah. There's some excellent resources out there. I'd, Gary, as you know, I'm part of the Coraggio Leadership Network. And, and um, you know, it, it's, the Coraggio Leadership Network uses this top five concept and broadly across a number of companies and industries of many sizes from, you know, a billion dollars turnover all the way down to very small businesses of, you know, sub one million, get great value from that and, and learn and share from each other as they build up that organisational design around that. Um, fantastic book written by um, Vern Harnish. Uh, he's, uh, he's an American um, runs a, a really successful network called Gazelles, and um, his book's called Mastering Rock- Rockefeller Habits. Um, yep. I think our Caraggio network has done some interesting things with his thinking, um, and, um, and I think he certainly helped inform the, you know, the Caraggio network about ways we could go about implementing on that. So I, I think there's some really simple and powerful ways to really distill down strategy. It's really interesting because it, often people make a lot of strategy documents and they, everyone comes together once a year and, and you, you write it all up and then it, you, know, you sort of share it around and you don't really come back to it and you don't measure against it. Yeah, yeah. And it sort of starts to lose value. And what you really need to do is if you're going to do a strategy session, well, what is the most important and most valuable thing that the company can be doing? And then what's the second most important? and discipline to that, and then measure against that. Like, what are those things? And so we measure against those things quarterly and then keep inflecting quarterly. And, and, um, and the reason why we went quarterly is because we started doing six monthly and I was still struggling with such a long period of time for some of these goals and it still felt yeah, like it's a long yeah, time away. Yeah. So we, we've gone to a really nice quarterly rhythm. And um, so we don't have management meetings or reviews or things like that. We now... We have a quarterly strategy and we have a half-quarterly review. The flip side of that is every one of our teams, um, they meet every day for 10 minutes in a stand-up. If they're in different locations, you have to Skype in, so you have a Skype up. And like, what it's about is how you track in towards knocking out the five things you needed to do. Yep. And are there any roadblocks and any way others can help? And so the the, the, the rule of an agile company is the thing, one of the, the biggest things is not declaring a roadblock that's stopping you delivering on what you're doing or not declaring significant progress and asking for help from others. They're the only two rules. Yes. Um, and so you, you get this incredible productivity. People are highly empowered because they're selected and owning their own destiny. Um, and... For our organisation, Gary, creativity is a massive thing. We love being creative. We love being innovative. And the teams are so empowered that, you know, they've got this, this, this canvas to, to be as creative as they possibly can be. Um, and so, for the, you know, that's, 
it's it's one of the most fundamental values for our team is creativity. We've got a few. Creativity is number one. Um, but creativity is right up there. So it, it, you can tell how passionate about it I am, Gary, because it's um, <laughs> I, I don't like authority. I never have. Most most people don't like yeah. it. You know, it, it's sort of really patronising the whole boss employee relationship. But this mechanism is about collaborative, creative, results focused. You know, and you don't need hierarchy. But the whole company has to buy into this. You have to want that environment. If you want an environment where you can be a solo operator and you can control people and you can dictate what happens and you can cascade down KPIs and do all those things, this is not for you. But, you know, when I look at all the people in our workplace and how happy it makes them, I I just think, well, there's got to be a lot of companies and a lot of people who are going to want to do it this way. So, Tim, are you saying that you have to recruit on it as well? Um, Like when you're recruiting? Yeah, absolutely. It can be quite terrifying to some people because there's nowhere to hide. Mm. Um, you're in a small team and what you're doing does make a difference and is out there. Mm. You know, it's, um, um, you know, you're not a cog in a machine, you know, yeah. you're not a subset of some bigger master plan, mm. but it's so liberating. So if you, if you, if you were in a recruiting interview, just, just, and this is just out of interest, how, how, what sort of things would you put to someone to sort of, to get an idea of whether they're going to deal with, with a way of working like that? Because for some people, as you say, it would be confronting as well. So what are you looking for in a recruiting situation or in a recruiting meeting to, um, to sort of point to the fact that this might be the right person for you? Okay, so um, we hire people on values, values and attitudes. And there's three biggies. And I, I've talked about creativity because that's one. And so obviously we, we ask about things in someone's life, you know, that they can demonstrate creativity, um, which doesn't have to be artistic creativity. It can be all sorts of different areas of innovation or new thinking. Um, second big one for our team is about tenacity because if you're empowering a team and individuals, it takes a lot of tenacity to work your way to deliver on those things each quarter. Um, great creatives obsess and tenaciously fight their way to get an amazing product. Or, you know, um, great salespeople, you know, tenaciously think about ways to engage better with customers and to, to move faster and to communicate better and all sorts of things that might flow in there. Um, by the way, sorry, we do give, through this recruitment process, we obviously give practical tasks. And then the third one, and this is the big one, um, is about humility, which is that ability to look at one and be honest about oneself and the things that you need to change and adapt and learn. Mm. And, and also, if you're creating a product or you've got a sales process or, or you've got a system implementation, you've got to be honest mm. about the quality, the belief in the system, and, and keep iterating and changing and improving. So humility is a big one. Mm. Um, you know, we love people with high EQ because they don't, they don't have tickets on themselves um, and they're, they're generous in their praise for others and, and those sort of characteristics. So, so they're the three biggies. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that makes, you know, if you've got someone in your organisation who is creative, tenacious and uh, has, has humility, um, they're a great part of the team. Tim, um, knowing you as a student of strategy, 
just to spin things around a bit, um, Bruce Lee, the famous martial artist, once said that it's not the daily increase but the daily decrease. Hack away at the unessentials. Strategically inside the business, what have you taken away that's made the biggest impact on the business in the last 12 months? If there's something you've eliminated from the business, what's had the biggest impact? Certainly eliminating meetings is a big one. Um, and, and meetings we do have are very focused in their purpose. So the daily stand-ups give you a beautiful rhythm and kind of, you know, you can connect really easily into what's going on. And, and, and where there are meetings, they have very precise purposes. So, you know, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about the principles of Agile and Scrum. So, so for example, you know, I talked about that sprint cycle, you say a couple of weeks. Um, and within that, you, on day one of that, you plan what you're going to do. And on the last day, you have two entirely separate meetings. One is solely focused on reviewing the product, and you might have other stakeholders from sales operations as well as product people looking at that, that increment. And then you have an entirely separate meeting with the development team, which is a retrospective, which is looked at how you function and, and the impediments, and, and you work out how you can go faster, smoother, and better. And so by dividing the two meetings and having relevant and different people in those meetings, you get so much more and so much more powerful, and they're much shorter meetings and much more, much more enjoyable meetings. They're not heavy, you know, laboured meetings. And um, so there's a little, so these little short, very focused, very powerful meetings where it fits within those things. So we've, we've got rid of heavy management meetings. We've, you know, we've, yeah. um, you, you just don't need them. You don't need steering committee meetings because the team structures are set up to, they all do those mechanisms. Um, so shouldn't we have meetings that are uplifting and inspiring? Yes. Yeah, it wouldn't have been nice. <laughs> Go figure. It wouldn't have been nice. So it's interesting how if you make them one-dimensional, and I mean focused on one thing, that people don't feel like it's a heavy burden and they're going to have to cover all these painful, all these painful things. Um, mm. And they become much more energised and much more engaged. And um, so, so, Gary, eliminating, you know, meetings and making sure the meeting structures have real purpose and value, I think is a massive thing. That's gold. That's gold. Um, Tim, how do you personally consume new learnings? So I know how busy you are. We'll get to Karajio in a second, expand a bit on that. How do you personally find your learnings? How do you take them in? Is there a process you go through that's a a, a non-negotiable ritual you have each day for learning? Yes. So part of the methodology that we've developed, there's a few layers to this, by the way, sorry. So if I start with the sort of the simplest layer, Part of our agile company methodology is because there's no hierarchy and you don't have a boss, you, you have a peer review, which is someone who's not necessarily in your team, who you work with on your top five. So you have a sort of a coaching session one-to-one, and, um, and that's within the organization. So we've set up that, that, that one-to-one yeah. coaching mechanism, and, and that's incredibly rewarding. I, I have one-to-ones with all sorts of different people in different quarters, and they're really demanding on me, and I learn so much 
you know, I select my peer in each quarter according to things that I'd like to learn more from someone who's got a particular skill set is going to challenge me from that perspective. So I think that's a, that's a great, simple mm. basis. But more importantly, we use a, a sort of a concept called accelerated learning where we bring in experts in precise areas who come in and work with the team. So they might come into the team one day a week or two days a week with a precise skill set and and it, it lifts the, the specific knowledge and capability of that team. So it might be something very technical. You know, we're, we're looking at infusing some skills around a, a, a technology called, or a, a technology design called Docker. So we're looking at bringing someone into the team to give us that sort of accelerated knowledge for that team. Um, to things that are more about agile training or agile structures, you know, what is the role of a product owner in Agile and and how do you create a product backlog? Mm. I would always defer, Gary, to the absolute best in their field if we want to learn about something and we're constantly hungry to learn from the best. And, and so on any given day, we will have five or six consultants at least in the organisation uh, working on various teams on various things. And then we try to share those learnings with the team. We've spoken about um, Coragio. Can you just give us a quick snapshot of, because I know you're one of the founders of Coragio, what is Coragio and what's been the biggest benefit for you personally you've taken from being able to be a part of Coragio? Coragio is a really great leadership network. It's an organisation that brings together 12 or 13 CEOs in each group uh, each month and working collaboratively on the big issues in each other's businesses. And, um, and I guess we, you know, we, I, I'd been part of some other leadership groups that ran on a much more traditional model, whereas I guess my, my big issue with some of those leadership models was we're sort of given these grab bag of ideas of things that we could use but it felt very removed from the business that I was working on. Mm. Yeah. And what I love about Caraggio is how much time is invested in drilling into those top few priorities for each business and that group of CEOs really applying their minds to those big things in the business. So we don't sit around and talk about, I'm having some problem with my PA or, you know, we're there to work together with each other on those big you know, step change things that we can build into our businesses. And and that's the big difference from Carajo. It's a big it's a it's a it's a it's a format shift mm. and a structural shift. And you know, there are so many people in my group that I admire tremendously for the outstanding businesses they've built over many, many years. And I've learned so much from them. Can somebody listening join, Tim? Are you are you Open for a listener to contact Caragio to join? Yeah, absolutely. They, they jump on the caragio.com.au uh, website. Uh, they, can, they can register there. Um, I guess there's a, an induction process to see if you know, they're going to be a fit for that, for that type of environment. And, uh, but there are, uh, there are new groups yeah. up in Sydney, Melbourne and 
City Melbourne Brisbane and the Gold Coast now, I think. So um, We will uh, put a link in the show notes. It's uh, for the listeners with a piece of paper there. It's C-O-R-A-G-G-I-O.com.au. But we'll put a link through to, um, to the website for people to check out uh, in the show notes. Tim, um, finish this sentence for me. Tim Power is most creative when dot, dot, dot. When, when working with uh, a, a trusted group of people with a little bit of commercial imperative or intensity and purpose there. Mm. Actually, if I'm really truthful, Gary, nice. when the business has been under most pressure, if we're doing some big new launch or step change, that's, like necessity is such a powerful creative driver. Um, uh, interesting thing, Gary, which I, I guess I haven't mentioned at this point. Um, one of the other really great things that we've started doing, and, and we are novices at this, so um, we are not the masters of this, but we set up a concept which we've been running for about four or five months now. Um, so we're just starting to experiment and, and, and just find our feet with it. But we, we, we call it the story trust because every every product has starts with a, a vision artifact and has a story to tell for, for, for how it connects with a, a, a user. But um, I love it because it, it's just a great forum for that creativity outlet. And I'm, I'm blown away by the, the work and commitment that gets put into the, to the interactive workshops that happen in those sessions. Um, Gary, you should come and join one of them. You, you'd love it. I will. I will come. That's, um, I'm a big believer in the storytelling, how that transpires into dreams, how it sits behind brands. And, you know, storytelling is, is a big part of authenticity and authenticity is becoming a massive part of brand. So um, yes, yes. I definitely personally believe you're in the right track and um, I'd love to come and hang out with the guys, mate. That'd be cool. Hey, um, uh, you've got a busy day in front of you, Tim. Just uh, before we let you go, do you have a, um, a personal mantra that you live by just for you as Tim Powell? <laughs> uh, Gary, my mantra is love learning. It's, uh, and it, yeah. no coincidence that that's our brand. And um, I, I would love nothing more than, <laughs> um, you know, I would love nothing more than a whole generation of people buying into that content. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That, that really is uh, That's leading from the front. And final question for you, Tim. Um, if you were to describe Tim Power as a brand, so it's brand you, what three words would you use to describe yourself as a brand? Um, passionate, uh, obsessive, and feeling like there's a, we're, we're partway down a, a really great big project to, uh, to understand kids. So It's nice, and I think... Um, it's a great way to finish the interview, Robbo, and uh, it's just nice to see a leader who's leading, you know, the, the leader's per- personal DNA um, is shown through so beautifully in the product and the people that he leads as an organisation, don't you reckon? Indeed. This has been fantastic, Tim. I uh, And a couple of things we'll put in the show notes. The Rockefeller Top 5, I actually did a speaking job with Vern Harnish in Sydney last year. Um, and he spoke on the stage. Yeah, he introduced me and then he spoke after me and um, I can highly endorse everything you've said about his content. So we'll put a a link in the show notes to Vern Harnish, the stuff he's doing and how it ties back to what 3P Learning is doing. Um, And a couple of things I took out that I, I personally like, I love that word agile. I just think that if a business leader 
took that as something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Tim, is um, uh, we uh, talked about a blog that had been written uh, in uh, Fast Company about what organisations and leaders could do this year to make 2015 their most productive year. And one of the tips they talked about was picking a word to make your word for the year. And Robbo coaches an under-12 rugby team uh, and the word they chose was team because there is an I in team. And we've been talking, it's a bit of a bit of a theme sort of through the show. And uh, I just think that word agile, it's something that's personally in my own values um, for agility and health and fitness to be able to get up and down, run, ride, swim, play with your kid, wrestle. I think as a word, I personally relate to that. But I think, gee, as a business, to know that you've got an agile business, I think that would be such an attribute to have a reputation for, don't you reckon? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And look, one of the things is some people think it's a buzzword. They think it's something that's sort of a bit in the company, but it's sort of when you the depth with which it changes, it's a way of being. No, no, absolutely. I mean, Gary, I learned that from you. It's a way of being. Mm. It's funny. The uh, I think the Mojo Radio Show um, is an agile program, um, if not loose, Robbo. <laughs> agile and loose. <laughs> Um, and the other thing I'm going to leave, and I just this is my personal takeaway, and I wrote this down as soon as you said it. I just think this is one of the greatest quotes that we've had on the show. I think it's an absolute cracker, which will go on the uh, the half yearly best ofs. That learning was my shield for life. I think that is just for any parent to look in the mirror and go, "It's all about that." The the image you lead off for your people who follow you into battle, for your children, for your wife, the community you lead. Learning was my shield for life, mate. That's um, that's an absolute piece of gold right there in their learning hills. So, um, Tim, thanks, mate. It's um, I don't know how busy you are, how much you got going on. It's such a privilege to have you on the show, and thank you for uh, for being so caring and sharing, mate. It's, uh, it was great. Thanks, Tim. Signing, signing off. See you thank soon. You. See you. Bye. 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 Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Do it. Oh, another powerful interview. <laughs> oh, he's here all night, folks. Uh, uh, it wasn't a big show, though, mate. That was, um, that mm. was a cracker. And uh, I think we're going to finish it up. But, AP, um, good to have you back in the house, buddy. Yeah, good Thank on you, mate. Much. Thank you very much. But um, listen, mate, next time you bring actually. me a beer during the show, I'm going to need some pork crackling and some nuts with that, please, mate. And maybe a kebab for the trip home, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> thanks, extra hummus. <laughs> <laughs> so, AP, can we expect to see you next week, mate? Yeah, yeah. I'll talk to my people and we'll see what we can work out for you. <laughs> I've, got a very, I've got a pair of very tight schedules on, so. Yes, okay, all right. Well, we, we've got plenty of peanuts in the cupboard, so, mate, we'll sort you out, don't worry. And we'll yeah, toss yeah, you a few. Yeah. That's why I use MailChimp. <laughs> That's this week's show done. Over and out. Out. Gone. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice realtimecasting.com Andrew Peter speaking
See you next time. Are they, um, are they still on the line? No? They've gone. Thank God for that. What a pack of idiots they are.